You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, Grump? I am in Orlando, Florida with my day job. I am in convention hell right now, but uh, always can carve out some time to talk about our beloved New York football giants. So, how are yeah. you doing? Just make sure your TPS reports are on time with the new cover sheet. <laughs> Did uh, did you get the memo? Yeah. <laughs> I have five bosses. All right. And anyway, I hope your meeting with the Bobs went well. Um, <laughs> we've got those cuts. Yeah. <laughs> we've Speaking got um, – yeah, yeah. We've got uh, a lot of Giants news to get to before we get into the corner stuff. So this is a jam-packed, loaded episode. So welcome, 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 welcome. First – thing on the docket that I'm going to get into is this episode's corners. We're going to talk a lot of defense today, so let's start with Lorenzo Carter, edge rusher, uh, is taking his talents elsewhere. Where is he going? Is he going to Atlanta? I forget already. I believe he's going to Atlanta, yes. Um, Injury plagued uh, at the end of his initial contract with the Giants, never quite lived up to, you know, elite expectations but I think was a nice balanced outside linebacker was pretty good um would have liked to see what he looked like not having injured his Achilles but came on strong at the end of last year I thought he was a good candidate to fit Wink's system and I thought because of the injury and and how long it took him to recover that he was a good candidate for a one-year prove-it deal on the cheap but that uh, apparently was not the case. Something happened where negotiations must have broken off because he kind of did a goodbye Giants fans social media post and then about a day later went to Atlanta. Well, again, you know, as another guy, like, like you said, I'd like to have had him come back and see what he can do in this new system. But, uh, you know, when, when you're an unrestricted free agent, you hold the cards. You get to go where you want to go. And... Uh, probably just felt it was time to make a, a fresh start somewhere else and uh you would no longer be a new york football giant yeah i mean or the money wasn't right i don't know what the giants were offering or if they were offering nothing but i will say that i understand that lorenzo carter didn't live up to expectations and that he's not the standard of the edge rusher that we want but can we just acknowledge that this team has a thousand holes and they can't draft number one picks for all of them in the next two years and when I say I wish we could have signed him on the cheap, that is not a long-term solution, but just a fieldable team. Can we just understand that when I say that, please? Thank you. Yeah. Like we also, you know, expectations. He was a third-round pick. Yeah, third-round picks. I mean, I mean if you get a starter out of them, that's pretty That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, like, expectations. I mean, I think let's recalibrate what expectations are for – a third round pick versus someone who's like in the top 10, for example, you know? So I think for what he, you know, for where he was picked and what he did with the team, I, I'd say it was to expect more might be 
thinking that he overproduced maybe or something. Well, so I, I think also that he could have produced more had he not gotten hurt. I think the expectations, just that the expectations are way too high. I mean, there's not so many third-round picks walking away with eight-and-a-half sack seasons every year or anything like that. So, right, right. Um, you know, just tempered expectations. Also, he was more of a balanced guy. He was never just a pure pass rush guy. He was also pretty good in coverage. He dropped back a lot, played the run pretty well. I mean, it was more to him than that. Nevertheless, he is gone. Goodbye, Lorenzo Carter. I wish you the best. Um, good good player. I, I thought he was a good pick at the time. I stand by it, etc. But the Giants did make their own moves today. Staying with the defense, they signed Jihad Ward, who was with Miami, I think, last year. But more importantly, he was in Wink's system in 2020 and 2019, um, where he rotated along the defensive line, whether it was hand in the dirt or standing up on the edge. So there's kind of your sub for Lorenzo Carter, so can't get too mad. Uh, I don't think we have any contract details, but I'm going to assume that it's going to be a one- or two-year deal on the cheap. Um, I, I that, tend to agree. I think I think he's kind of one of those guys, like you said, he was in wing system before. He's one of those guys who, who's brought in as much to be an on-field coach as much as what his, you know, his skill level is, especially for a, a shorter-term contract we both think he probably has was someone to help implement this new system onto this team. Sound about right? Yeah, I think so. And I think also just provide a stopgap solution. Like I said, we cannot address every position of need in the draft. So you need to get depth guys that if they're starters, they're probably the worst starters in the league, but at least they're something close to resembling starters. It's a fieldable team, you know? Unfortunately, this organization inherited a mess at almost every level of, of the team. Um, and that's simply just not an overnight thing. So the more flexibility you have in the draft so you can nail your draft picks, the better. Um, because right now they should be getting – they should just be kind of a, a acquiring the best players that they absolutely can at this point. Um, since we already went over corner, uh, quarterbacks, I can say that there isn't really a great quarterback in this draft anyway. But Jihad Ward, I think, is a good – that's a pretty good sub for Lorenzo Carter's level of rotational play that we probably could have expected from him as the floor. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, not expecting a whole lot though. But more importantly, we're going to switch over to the offense for just a moment. They signed running back Matt Breda, uh, which is interesting because um, – he might be the best free agent running back we've signed in a while, right? Best free agent running back. I mean, we don't usually go too hard. I mean, most the, since Barkley's been here, we've been pretty much only signing backups, mm-hmm. um, which is the capacity I think that Breda is still going to be in. Uh, you know, he's not really like a three-down back or anything, but. Is Rashad Jennings the last splash running back move we made where it's like a four-year deal? Because that's not uh, really all that impressive either. And I don't even know if that was even a splash necessarily. It was like he was in a like he became a solid running back. He became the feature back, but he had to like fight for that starting job every single year. Right, so I wouldn't call that a splash hire. Uh, right. And, and I don't want to overblow Matt Breda, but I mean, he's a talented guy. I mean, really, let's he's a good... Uh, addition in the passing game, good pass blocker, good pass catcher. He's a fast player too. He's a so, good how would you, so how would you feel if Barkley either gets goes down with another injury or gets traded 
during this process, either now or you know, before the deadline during the season. How would you feel with him being kind of the uh, the, the feature, guy? The, the feature back? I mean, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel great about it, but um, to be honest with you, I. He's capable of being it, but we're not going to be. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think as yeah. long if if Barkley were to go and you you're able to take the eight million dollars or whatever he he has off of the the cap, you can afford to sign yourself another guy behind him to kind of prevent him from having to be the only guy in the backfield. You know, besides like Antonio Williams or, or whatever. Um, I think you can also sign free agent guys off the street. Uh, I wouldn't feel too bad if he was like our our main squeeze at running back for a year. I would feel okay, I guess. It, it, running back is just such a small priority. We barely had Barkley for the time that he's been here anyway. So <laughs> that's true, very true. And we've had worse backups. So this is yeah, actually, I stand by that. He's been halfway gone since we drafted him, and we've had worse backups than him. So I'd feel fine. I'd feel fine. Okay. Um, man. That was a lot of stuff that happened this weekend. You know, I didn't really expect us to keep signing people, but it keeps happening. It was crazy because I was, you know, pretty sick and I had to run down here to Orlando and I've been doing all this stuff, so I haven't been able to, you know, be as one hundred percent in tune as I'd like to be and I just keep seeing these little updates come by, like giant sign, giant sign, like, huh, what what's going on? So good. Yeah, and you know, they're right up against the cap, which brings us full circle to the cornerback discussion. Um, and the elephant in the room is James Bradbury. This team is still right up against the cap because every time they release people, they continue to sign people. So they haven't really acquired any savings yet. Um, they did not outright cut Shepard or Blake Martinez, although I think they ended up saving more with Shepard by not outright cutting him. But nevertheless, um, they are actively shopping James Bradbury. It seems to be a pretty known fact that his name is being tossed around the NFL. Um, they are not just trading him away for peanuts, but it would seem to me that they need that $12 million to continue this offseason just to sign their draft picks. And yeah, I don't know where else they're going to be able to get it from. And let's uh, let's level set a little bit. We both had Bradbury... Mm-hmm. When we did our analysis of how we getting to forty million dollars in cap savings, we both had him staying. We both felt that uh, it was important enough with the you know, the Wink Martindale defense that we wanted to have. We couldn't have a free for all back there at the cornerback position. We need to have you know some support in, in the secondary, and we both felt that it was important enough to keep him that we'd find other ways to you know get that cap savings. So. Um, just because they're they're trading and that may or may not happen, you know, it's very possible they may try to restructure his contract also to try to make it make it possibly work to, to get any more free agents in and worry about signing their um, their draft picks. But uh, I for I am for one still would like to see him still on this roster, and I just hope they find a way to to make it happen, do some cap magic to make it happen with him. Yeah, I think the the NFL has evolved to the point now where the the key to uh, defense at this point is to just win a numbers game. You know what I mean? Having as many talented DBs as you can on the back end to take away the quick release of the quarterback and allow defensive linemen, edge rushers, blitzers, you know, linebackers to get home, get the quarterback off of his spot, disrupt all timing routes, force them to make big plays. That's really the way to play defense now is to force conservative stuff, uh, force mistakes. Uh, and a lot of that comes from talent on the back end rather at rather than at edge. 
Um, because you can always double, you know, an edge rusher. You can always double an edge rusher. Uh, but if you have a bunch of talented guys in the back end. So, I mean, they need DBs anyway. Uh, and with all the other needs, I just – I felt when we were doing our little exercise that you just – I couldn't justify taking a DB away. Hey. And it's also not as easy just to – even for some reason if they draft one in the first round or second round, just plug them in and have them start. We, well, that, that's a this. whole other discussion, yeah. Yeah, we've um, talked about this many times on this show where you know there's positions where you can you could throw a wide receiver out there and say, go do your thing and have an immediate impact. Cornerback is one that takes time to develop like an offensive lineman. So yeah. it's not like you just say, okay, well, we changed our priority in the draft and we're going to take you – know, you know, DBX from, you know, DBU or something and have them go in there. It'll it be a problem. Yeah, I mean, it, it, just, it just usually doesn't work that way. And and the guys that are the elite of the elite and are starters right away, they often struggle very, very hard, you know, that first year, first year and a half, sometimes two years. Uh, and those are the best of the best. So it's just not that easy. Um, and I just, because of that, I... Uh, I shy away from drafting corners a lot, uh, or, or not that. Uh, I'm sorry, relying on drafted corners. I shy yes. away from. Yeah, that that's much more fair statement. Um, and that kind of, I mean, really, let's let's take a look what the Giants actually have signed to their roster right now. They have Adoree Jackson on one side, James Bradbury on the other. Those are two really. I would say top-tier cornerbacks. And it's part of the reason why this defense wasn't atrocious last year. I mean, they have no real edge presence at all. Um, They have no real linebacker at all without Blake Martinez. They Um, have to stay on the field forever because the offense is... Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, really, they had to play like 60 to 70% of the game. Um, And, you know, Dory Jackson has his own injury problems. James Bradbury, we've already covered, is kind of being shopped around right now. Behind that, they have Darnay Holmes, uh, more of a zone inside corner, not really good press man, definitely not an outside corner. Aaron Robinson, last year a rookie, um, played better than yeah, – I would say played sooner than I expected, as good as I as I thought he could play a little earlier. Um, but again, another inside guy. He's going to fit the system really well. Press man corner, aggressive downhill. Um, Rodarius Williams, I think, also is going to fill, fit the system pretty well, but much more raw outside press man corner and also coming off of an ACL injury. And he's already 26 despite being a rookie last year. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I was doing the uh, – putting my, my notes together for this, you know, I come across like, you know, weight, height, age, and I was like, 26? Yeah. That makes him the fourth oldest guy on the in the secondary. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane. Um, mm. They did also. What's yeah. up? Go ahead. No, nothing good. Oh, uh, they did also re-sign their exclusive free rights agent, Jaron Williams. Uh, I I wouldn't expect anything more than depth and, and special team stuff from him. Although he has shown some promise in the times that he played, I just don't expect anything major. This is this is just a lot of names. I'm pointing out. There's there's pitfalls with all of them. Um, including Adoree Jackson, who is now, you know, set to be the number one corner if James Bradbury is gone. This is a problem. This this is a damn problem. They they need help here. And Adoree Jackson, for what it's worth, uh, I mean, he signed through twenty twenty four. But I mean, do you really see him staying the whole length of his contract? No. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. Um. 
More importantly, I mean, this is one of the most expensive positions to buy in free agency. Uh, you you take a look it's, around the league, and <laughs> it's right up there with quarterback and left tackle almost for just for for quality. I mean, we could talk about some of the guys that have already been signed, like you know, J.C. Jackson signed Jackson. an eighty-two million dollar contract, five years, eighty-two million, and he's J.C. Jackson. He's yeah. not J.C. He's not Dion Jackson for crying out loud. <laughs> I, I will say the contracts this year are a little insane. Even even Dante Jackson, uh, who I really really like, uh, same age as J.C. Jackson, thirty five million dollars. Wow, Jesus. Various Ward, three years, forty million dollars. Yeah, so it was, three years, ten and a half. It, yeah, it's just, it, it, it's a it's a banner year if you're a free agent cornerback. You're getting paid this year. Yeah, and I and it, and it makes sense. I mean, we've seen how. This league is getting more and more pass happy. We saw the playoffs. You know, there was a thousand attempts and yardage all over the place. You need good corners, and they're going to be at a premium now. If the Giants were to shake James Bradbury loose, I'm going to tell you right now that it would have to be a multi-front approach to replace him. I mean, I, I get that they get the $12 million for saving him, but they're going to have to spend some of that to get anybody back there because like i said don't rely on the draft to a fall the way you want even if you trade him after the draft you know all the time terrible shit happens um what was the safety we drafted some 10 years ago that like got into a car accident right after the draft oh right 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 i mean like any stupid dumb bullshit can happen well, um, the thing right the thing right now which is going to be the problem is even replacing Bradbury is every day you wait to make that trade, the market that's out shrinks. there for available free agent is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. But even it, but even so, even after trading him and getting the twelve million dollars, there's not a whole lot of that chunk that they're going to be able to spend. So it's not like they can just spend another twelve million dollars on another corner. Otherwise, they would just be keeping James Bradbury. Exactly. <laughs> true so i mean they're still going to be at the point where they're spending about four million or less i would say and what can you get for four million or less right now i mean i'm going to say some names that aren't going to be that great joe hayden (laughs) i don't even think i don't even know if they could handle only because joe hayden's like 33 now right Uh, right, but i don't even know if that would that would do that i mean yeah would would that would that close the deal for him no maybe maybe Xavier Rhodes, I could see that and being somewhat of a scheme fit, maybe. But then you're getting guy again. Who's another stopgap guy? Well, a hundred percent, yeah. Well, at that point, if so, so let's get into this. They are not going to be cutting James Bradbury to save twelve million dollars to spend twelve million dollars on the next twenty-five-year-old on a four-year deal to be the corner one or two. For the next couple of years, they're just not going to do that because it makes no sense. They, they, well, I mean, they need that money for other stuff. Cap cap aside, who the available free agents that are out there? Is there anybody as good? No, as Bradbury right yeah, now. So G- Gilmore, yeah, Gilmore. But I mean, you wouldn't be getting him on anything more than like a two-year deal. He's thirty-one already. Right, exactly. So then, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So what you, what you're doing then? If you move on from James Bradbury, which is the way it appears it's going to be, is you're going to have to get that one two-year deal guy on the cheap to just be a guy and not be terrible on one side of the field. And you're going to have to draft a replacement. You're going to have to do both. I mean, 
I guess that's not necessarily the- true. I guess you could you yeah. could buy a one year deal guy and next year when you have more cap space see what's on the market. It almost to me feel I I personally feel like you still just keep them and you figure out something else. I mean honestly, I mean this this sounds like the the domino effect of getting rid of him while you know that there is savings in the cap is all these things have to happen. You got to find the staff cap guy. The it goes up the chain of priorities of things that have to be replaced on this team where there's still massive things that have to be changed on this team. I, I still think I still think we do everything we can to, to save Brad. Brad. You know, that means restructuring to make it work, if, even just to keep him through this year. I, I think I I I'd be still a little bit surprised if they do actually do trade him, unless they get a, an offer that knocks their socks off. Yeah, and what would be what would be the floor offer that you would accept to trade a three? I would say that would be the that would be the floor. I, I could I could I could part ways with him for a three I think because I the way I see it is I could package that three up to get it uh, move my other three into a two you know what I mean I, I, think, I think it depends on what that three is if that's a, a three from a team that's going to be drafting like you know in the first 10 15 picks of, of the third round as opposed to like one of the last picks in the third round, I think that would make a difference too hmm. yeah yeah Either way, I mean, even if they keep, let's just pretend for the sake of argument that they're able to s- score twelve million dollars, you know, for free, and they're they're going to keep James Bradbury for the year. Either way, they're going to have to address something this year because they let Logan Ryan go, which kind of made no sense. Um, they saved virtually no- well. <laughs> imagine imagine thinking several hundred thousand dollars is is virtually nothing, but they, they are saving uh, peanuts against there, the cap. There, there has- there has to be a story. I'm sure this the story will come out at some point. Why that was, whether it is they felt he wasn't a good fit for the for the new scheme, or they just philosophical differences with him or something. But it, it just it, we were both stunned when we heard the news. Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense. Captain, like you know, it's not like he's a bad guy. He was yeah. just a captain. I don't know. I mean, unless it was just one of those things where. He he found out what his role in Wink's system was going to be and didn't have a didn't have the stomach for it or, um, you know I I guess I could see that actually I I think there were some rumblings that people in Baltimore had issues with the amount that Wink was blitzing his DBs they were getting hurt Logan Ryan's an older guy uh, I think he's over thirty so I mean he may be thinking more long term about his career and didn't want to play in Wink's system it could be that. It's very possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, regardless, the Giants are going to have to look at the draft. And they're going to be pressured into thinking about it because they are picking very high. And there are some pretty dang good corners in this. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying that I am very scared of drafting first-round corners. And I don't know. And this, this is nothing new. You've said this. No, I've said it a bunch. Yeah, it, in previous shows. And and part of this is me, right? I I'm not very good at, at figuring out which guys are going to bust or not. But uh, apparently, neither is the NFL because it seems <laughs> that um, every year there's a first round corner that totally is not first round talent, and I get fooled every single year. So I am very very scared of this, and I think that my approach to build the best defense ever is to buy your corners because they're known quantities and draft your edge rushers because they just seem to have a better draft success rate. Um, 
But nevertheless, the Giants just aren't in that position to spend any money whatsoever. So they have to look at the draft. And there's three really good corners in the first round. And I'm going to put them in no particular order because I like them all for different reasons. But the one that the Giants are getting uh, connected to the most is Ahmad Gardner. Goes by Sauce. I don't get that. Um, but uh, he was on that, that big-time Cincinnati team. He's the, the the alpha corner there. 6'3", runs a 4'4". Um, he's everything that you would probably build in a factory that builds cornerbacks. Uh, just he's, he's just really long. He's really aggressive. Um, he's really, really fast. He's a bit of a gambler. He likes to undercut routes. He breaks on them with that 4'4 speed. Uh, he's... A very aggressive tackler. He's a pretty effective blitzer as well. It was a very aggressive defense that Cincinnati fielded, by the way. It was very interesting. Um, the couple of things to note about him that make me nervous is that he plays really wild. Um, he really, if you like look at him, he's like all arms and legs all over the place. And I just, he's six. He's measured in the combine at 6'2", but he's a very lanky 6'2". I know his college uh, uh, height was 6'3". But... You don't hear many cornerbacks referred to as lanky. I mean, he's really... It, it's it's a v- very bizarre... <laughs> he, he almost looks like Usain Bolt. I mean, like he's just really long. <laughs> Well, if he was that fast, I would probably draft him right now. Oh, yeah, well. My concern with him is just how wild he looks. He looks like he might be one of the more penalized corners in the the league. He looks like he could be fooled, perhaps, by being too aggressive. He's not the best form anything. Um, uh, But Is that just due to lack of coaching, lack of experience? You know, I don't know. I, I I think part of the problem is... Uh, he's very fast, and so whenever he screws up, he's able to make up for his mistakes because he has this other world speed, you know. Um, and he, I mean, I hate to do this, but he played at Cincinnati, so level of competition they're playing is somewhat lower. Um, and also, he played across from a much, much, much worse corner. So, how if did he you, do in the uh, in the playoff game against Bama? Do you have it in front of you? Or? Um, that was one of the games I watched. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have specific notes about that game, but I don't think that he played worse. Um, okay. I try to find those games. You know that what's going to be the toughest matchup for this guy? What's an average matchup for this guy? And what's an easy matchup? Because I want to see dominating the easy guys having. Good wins and losses versus the really tough guys. That's what I want to see. Um, and then I want to see a typical performance from him in the middle. Um, I'm really nervous about drafting any of these guys in the first round. <laughs> the next one I want to talk about, you are probably familiar with. This is LSU corner Derek Stingley Jr. Um, this guy is, to me, the smoothest and most refined of the three in the first round. Um, I think that he is the most NFL ready in a lot of ways. Um, But the biggest way, he's very, very uh, tight, aggressive corner in man coverage. And I think that he would fit the system pretty well. Um, And I think that he's a feisty tackler. tackler. He's got a mean streak. I really like what he can do. My, My bigger issue is... There's a lot of plays, especially last year, just looks like he doesn't care. Um, 
And I know that LSU team sucked, but this Giants team has sucked for like a decade now. And I don't know if I want people on my team that don't care. Uh, I don't know if it's a question of don't care. I think he's one of those guys, and you see a lot of them, and a lot of them with the Gators, and we're talking about one coming up soon. Um, they have that fantastic sophomore year, and they get ready for their junior year, and it's like they know they're going to be a first-round pick. They know everybody knows they're leaving, and they kind of take their foot off the gas. And I don't know if it's just a question of they know they're leaving, and their head is thinking about, you know, the combine and thinking of other things other than the upcoming college season. But he, he feels like one of those type of guys. Um, that LSU team was a complete mess this year. You know, they uh, they were what 15 months removed from the national title with Joe Burrow and everything, and Coach O gets fired. Um, yeah, what knew. what exactly led to that? Because I, I didn't really follow it. I just you know, heard rumblings that he was going to get fired, then he did get well, fired, and I didn't really well, Coach care Well, Coach O is not a very good coach to begin with. I mean, he's a good recruiter. He's from Louisiana, gets a lots of a talent. But the big thing is, allegedly, that he was sleeping with an administrator's wife, and that was pretty much the end of him. Um, that's why he was on the hot seat probably faster than most coaches would be this close to being coming off a national championship because remember there was only before he got fired i think there was like four active coaches that had won a national title in college football and he was one of them so to, to, to fire a coach that quickly just because of one bad season when let's face it they lost half an nfl roster that that 2000 19 team was one of the best college football teams i've ever seen and joe and, brady and Joe Brady, exactly. He's someone I still pine for in some capacity on one of my teams. But um, the, the rumors are out there about him and, and Edmund's wife. And uh, How don't the you hell kindly... does that happen? Well, he is such a good-looking man. With yeah, his and it's such a smooth artic- talker. Articulate voice and everything. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so this was hanging over this team's head. They were, they were really bad last year. They were off to a bad start this year. Uh, okay, you know playing a, a, a wretched Florida defense will make you feel better temporarily in the season. But they actually announced he was going to be fired right before that game. I, like, I'd never seen a coach announce he was being let go after a win. And that's kind of what happened with this. Um, but hmm. I think all, all these reasons are kind of like there was really no reason to be out there anymore. And for a guy like Stingley, who was, you know, again, was going to be a first-round pick, probably just uh turned off the brain and, and, and just you know made a business decision yeah i just you know i don't know i don't know how i feel about that um I, i'd almost respect him more for for just sitting out the remainder of the season and preparing for the draft you know yeah I mean, going, going hard for about four or five games early on and then just dip be all in or all out yeah. I think that's kind of what you owe it to your teammates and actually owe it to your potential future employer. Like, it's what the Bosas did. Let's have an honest assessment of what you are. And it also, like after COVID, a lot of guys either opted out for a year or just opted out again and said, I'm just going to, uh, you know, prep for the combine and prep for the, for the uh, you know, the evaluations, all these different things. It doesn't make you a bad person. So if you know you're going, and you know your team is not winning anything. You know, just be upfront about it. 
one other guy that I think is first round material is also somebody I got to see at the Senior Bowl, uh, and that's Auburn corner Roger McCreary. Um, and I think that this guy also looks really natural at the position. I think that he wins a lot of time with good body position, so he doesn't have super gaudy stats. There's not a lot of pass breakup stuff. There's just a lot of errant throws um, from what I was seeing. You know, just just college cor- quarterbacks trying to throw into tight windows and missing because that's all that was being offered was a really tight window. So just, just good coverage, um, but without the gaudy stats or highlights. The bigger thing here is that he's got these subpar, not first-round pick measurables. He's under six feet. He runs a four-five. Um, you know, th- th- and I'm saying that like these are horrible things. They're not. He's five eleven. He runs a four-five. It's it's really not the end of the world. But I mean, that's what I'm saying with these three guys in the first round. A, a thing I'm already a little shaky on, and I've got knocks that make me feel uncomfortable. You've got the guy not really built for the position. You've got the guy that is built for the position but is really wild and might be really penalized. And then you've got the other guy who might not even give a shit. Um, well, so that makes me nervous. But I probably well, lean towards Gardner from Cincinnati. I would think. Well, well, let's let's kind of go from the Giants' perspective. You know, as it stands right now with their draft picks, are any of these guys? Not only first-round draft picks, but like upper-tier first-round draft picks. I would say that Gardner, because of his rare length, the, the the college production he put up, and his speed, put him in top ten consideration. Consideration. I'm not going to say five. That's really high, but I think that because ten is super reasonable, seven therefore is totally on the board. You know what I mean? If if you're picking at seven and you need a corner. It's not unreasonable, but it just it just makes me so nervous. A to rely on him and to and to potentially blow that that pick. I mean, we just can't blow picks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I I don't know. I I feel really nervous about it. I mean, I think my favorite of the three is probably Stingley, but it's close. Uh, I think he probably has the worst bust potential though. Stingley, uh, followed by Gardner, and then followed by McCreary after that. So I I don't know. It, the whole thing just makes me nervous. And I think what I'd rather do is dip into the second round uh, and see what's there. I'd rather not screw up those five or seven picks. And I want to I get your opinion on another guy. Uh, yeah, and this, go ahead. Before you do that really quickly, you know, one of the things I just did was, you know, they always have, you know, right after the draft, the way too early oh, yeah. box drafts for the next year. Um, I just went back to the one after the draft for last year. Um, where do you think Stingley was listed in this way too early mock draft from NBC Sports? From NBC Sports? Yes. And this was like May 1st of 2021? May 3rd of 2021. Okay. I would think uh, overall? Overall. I would think probably between 20th and 30th the fourth pick they had the new york jets picking Derek stingley from lsu yeah that's that's called way too early of course this same mock draft had jt daniels the number two pick coming from detroit who ended up you know riding the bench the entire year when george won the national title and had sam howell number one 
going to the Texans. So yeah, which uh, by the way, I remember that being like the next year is the Sam Howell year, and I was like, I don't know, man. I just watched a ton of UNC film on two running backs and a wide receiver and a linebacker, and he didn't look that good to me. So I don't really know what the, what those people are thinking. I don't know if they've actually watched film on any of them, or they just know names on teams. The other interesting thing on this, and we'll get off this really quickly. I just I was scrolling down. No, it was a good they, idea. They had the Giants with the seventh pick. So, <laughs> That's Chicago's of, uh, pick, actually. <laughs> not a lot of high hopes for the Giants in the uh, uh, before, right after the draft last year. Uh, they had Cade Mays, uh, offensive lineman from Tennessee, is our first round pick overall. Yeah, and I he's he may not even be a second round pick. He might be like somewhere third, fourth. They had um, Britton Cox going in the eighth pick to the Raiders, a Gator who's actually coming back. So. Uh, now again, so the moral of this story is when you see the way too early mock drafts, don't even click on the link. Just yeah, move on to it's, it's not as fun as you time. think. Yeah, it, 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 not as fun and certainly not as accurate as you think it will end up being. What is interesting is at the beginning of the 2021 NFL season, uh, which is after, I think it was after the college season started, but only like a week or two. Um, I did an exercise on the Talking Giants show where we talked about some guys that we were wanting to see uh, in this year. And I picked Kair Elam, uh, corner from Florida, because he was a total badass as a sophomore the year before. Um, and I've soured on him a little bit. I thought I, he was actually the first guy I watched. I was excited to see how he did this year. You know, I it was checking up on him. You know, he's got the st- 6'1", 4440. He's incredibly fast, very instinctive, good man coverage. He's like. I question his effort in a lot of plays in which he's clearly not going to be targeted, which, of course, if you're playing Florida, a lot of these teams aren't going to be throwing his way anyway. You know, you can attest to what the the secondary looked like in just a second. But my other thing is that at no point in any of his film work that I found that that I find that he was an effective or um, willing, aggressive tackler in any sense. Um, so why don't you expand a little bit on Elam and the defensive system that he was playing in in Florida? <clears throat> so the the Florida defense is a lot of the reason why we have a new head coach this year. Uh, Todd Grantham ran a 3-4 defense that was not unlike the Wink Martindale one where it was super hyper-aggressive blitzing, you know, corner blitzes, guys coming from way, way, way off the edge in there never making it to the quarterback on time, leaving guys exposed all over the secondary. And I think that Kyrie Irlen suffered from the fact that this defense was such a mess. Uh, you know, guys running free all over the place that, and again, this team, you know, it, it free fell after basically the Alabama game. And again, kind of like we were talking about with Stingley, when guys know they're going to go, kind of lose that edge. They lose that effort level that is required on every single play to be as successful as you can be. So I think that was kind of his problem. I mean, he played, he played opposite of Marco um, Wilson the year before. So he's played with talent and that secondary. Um, he was not targeted. Like you said, you know, guys, they started targeting Marco a lot last year uh, in, in, in 2019. Um, other side was targeted quite a bit this year as well. Uh, wasn't quite the sieve that he was, that the defense was the year before, but um, 
The guy's got bloodlines. His uncle is Matt Hume. Guys, you never use the safety in the NFL as a hater. Uh, legacy as well. Um, you know, I don't know what, what's the projections for him. Uh, to me, I think coming out before the season, he could have been a potential fringe first round pick. I don't think he's a first round pick anymore. Maybe a, a, a second day guy. Possibly. Yeah, I, I had him. I had him as a first round pick initially, um, and after doing my film work, I have him now slipping to the second third i still think he's a second round pick when you look at his measurables and also one thing that's really evident on his film is that he's very smart he's not often fooled or doing anything stupid i you know i've noticed some effort things here and there and that's concerning um i think that he looks a little bit less comfortable in off-man coverage than he does in press or in zone i mean he, he looks fantastic in zone but you know there's there's correctable things there's things that are, are wrong with his game here but but he's not stupid um, and he's not well, too aggressive no. either. Well, of course not. He went to Florida, so he's intelligent. We know that. Um, but I guess, you know, we, we're starting this theme about the effort level, and these guys are obviously going pro, especially guys in marquee positions like corner. Is it really something we really should be that concerned about, or is it just the modern college guy who's going, and we just have to kind of accept that these guys are? Um, to me, it's no. Well, like- I mean, uh, here, here's what I'll say. Here's why it concerns me because I think it's probably pretty easily cleared up with a couple of interview questions, and I'm not able to ask those questions. So that's, that's it's. Pro- I, I guess I'll say it that way. Like I'm sure that there's like ten to twenty questions that cover all the bases of why weren't you putting in effort. And there are probably answers that will make you feel better about it. And I don't know what those questions are, and I don't know what their answers to it are. So to me, they're just red flags. But to NFL teams, I'm sure there's a way that they can work their way through what they when they look at what I look at. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when guys, going back a couple of years, when they first started opting out of bowl games mm-hmm. to say, you know, I'm going to prep, was that – did that give you any sort of red flag at the time? Initially, yeah, because it's change, and I don't do. I, I probably don't think as clearly as I should um, in 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 times of change. Um, I I never ne- I never didn't understand it. Uh, I certainly always understood it. Um, but did you mark it as like a? Hmm. I, yeah, I did. I mean, because because it didn't happen. Because you're saying initially, so I'm thinking of the first couple of years it happened. It was sparse, and it was it was you know it was the top guys. So you were still getting the other guys that were like, like even now we're talking about Ahmad Gardner and Derek Stingley and Roger McCreary. In the initial stages, it was just the Ahmad Gardners of the world that were doing it, and you were seeing these other guys. It was like, is Derek Stingley really that much worse? I mean, he also, in addition to being almost as good, I think. He also played in his bowl game, and I see that he puts it. You know what I mean? So it became a comparative to their peers. And as more and more it was happening, it was easier for me to accept. It was like, well, everybody does that now. I can't. Yeah, that that tells me now? nothing. Is it, is it how do I feel it? about it? Um, yeah. You know, I, I think I flipped to it, whereas if a guy chooses to play in his bowl game with his team, uh, I'll see it as a positive, but I won't see it as a negative if they don't do it. 
I th- and I think that's kind of – but also I think it's player dependent. There are some guys just like you. You decided you were going to opt out of that bowl well, game? Okay. Well, so, well, some guys just get bad career advice every step of the way. Yeah. You know, back when they were eighth grade all the way through their recruiting process, you know, through all of this too. So some guys just, you know, they don't surround themselves with people with their best interests and with honest assessments, you know, that they provide for them either. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other corners that I do want to go through very briefly in the second round here that I that I was a little surprised, and they both went to the same school. Um, Pac-12 guys, both Washington Huskies, which they don't really ever get discussed as a potential DBU, but a couple really good DBs came out of there. Um, but both Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie very much surprised me coming out of Washington. I didn't watch a whole lot of Pac stuff this year, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess this was a known quantity around. I didn't know anything about it. But they both look really good to me. Kyler Gordon looks a little bit more refined to me right now. Trent McDuffie looks a little bit more like the better natural athlete guy. Um, but I, I, I cut up some clips of both of them because I thought – I was just surprised. I think that they're both aggressive good man corners. I think they have some versatility to play in both zone schemes as well. Um you know, I think that they could probably just do with some better coaching, and I think that they can develop uh, into very good starters in the NFL. Um, both of them are athletically gifted as hell. So when I say Trent McDuffie is more athletic, um, it's simply because he runs a four four instead of a four five, and he just looks a little bit quicker on the field as well. But both both of does, these guys look fantastic. Does Saturday seem like more potential possibility of a draft location for the Giants in corner, or are you still, you know? maybe down the drop more like a, a day three. Well, I'm going to go into one more guy and he's a day three guy, but I think just barely, I think he's like a potential third round pick, but I, I think it's more likely that he'll go in the fourth. Um, and that's Damari Mathis from Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to be kind of honest about it. I don't think that he's really going to be an outside corner. He's probably going to be more of an inside corner, but when you really look at this, roster they need help they need corners everywhere and they might even double dip in this draft they have nine picks it's possible that i'm well okay it's not even possible i'll say that i think from the fifth round on they're going to be drafting the best guy that they can regard they're not plugging holes in the fifth round anymore you know? They also they also have nine picks as of this moment because you know, yeah. we started this show talking about the potential for James Bradbury being traded. And mm-hmm. we also threw out the potential for Saquon Barkley possibly being traded too. So that we they, we're talking as of you know recording this on the Monday when there's nine picks. It could be more than that mm-hmm. by the time they actually are making their selections. Yeah, and, and Damari Mathis is an interesting guy because he's he's a very tenacious um, he's very feisty. He's aggressive. He also runs a four three forty. Insane. Um, but he's he's super wild. But one of the things that kind of in, in terms of his body positioning, sometimes he's just a little late reacting. I think he could use a lot more refining at the NFL level. I think some coaching would do a lot for him. I think that that four three speed will get put to better use when he is not wasting so much foot movement and when he is starting to see things a little bit better and reacting quicker. But one thing that just jumps off the page is his ball skills. 
Um, is just there are just some guys that have a natural ability to high point the ball and and to have hand eye coordination to break up passes and good timing and being able to read the wide receiver's hands. You know, he's just one of those guys, uh, and that's something that I'm not even entirely sure that you can teach at a certain point. Um, so he is somebody I could see being targeted in the later rounds. I'm going to run on the screen over here the list of guys and how I have them ranked of all the guys that I watched. Um, but those were the guys that I really wanted to talk about because this is a spot that needs some hole filling in any capacity. Whether James Bradbury is here for another year, whether he's here for another two years, or whether he's gone, something needs to be done. And these were the, the guys that I thought were the most interesting to talk about, uh, most interesting fits for this team. Um, how are you feeling in general about the corner position when you just think about what it's likely going to be on opening day? Well, again, I'm going to go out a little bit on a limb and say that James Bradbury will still be on this roster. I've said that from the very beginning. I think they're going to find a way to make it happen. So if he is still on the roster, I'm feeling halfway decent. Okay. With Bradbury and Adoree Jackson, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, we got I would those too. two. Yeah. Those two are your starters. We got some young guys that are, you know, Rodarius Williams, Aaron Robinson will, you know, still be developing and learning and at, at, a, at a good pace and can provide nice depth. So, if James Bradbury is still here, I'm feeling fine. If Bradbury is shipped out, moved on, then I'm concerned. Then you know, then the margin for error that that secondary is going to have with a very aggressive uh, defensive scheme. You might see a lot of busted plays back there, and it may look worse than it actually is that that secondary back there. So um, hmm. I, uh, I'm i still going to roll the dice. I'm still going with Bradbury's here. And I, I think if that's the case, you know, corners will not be something we need to worry about for next year. It's insane because with 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 the snap of a finger, we could go from what I would consider to be one guy away from being an A minus secondary. You know, whether that whoever that strong safety is that comes in to play alongside Xavier McKinney, they're one guy away from being an A minus secondary. But with the snap of their fingers, they could plummet to like a C plus. Yeah. Just it's, by shipping Bradbury out, because I don't really know how you replace him and make it a good team. <laughs> let me ask you. Let me ask you a question, and this may not be an apples to apples kind of thing, but do you think the likelihood of James Bradbury staying increased when they got rid of Logan Ryan, just for like cohesiveness back there in the total secondary, or you don't think one really has anything to do with the other? <clears throat> hmm. Because we, we, we know Logan Ryan wasn't released due to any cap issues. I think that that it decreased the chances that James Bradbury would be here because we got rid of a guy who was talented and we got almost nothing in terms of money out of it. I agree. So we that was really subtraction by subtraction. Um, and I agree. I, I, I think if... Uh, I think if they would have kept him for whatever reason they would have, you know, I guess whatever reason they got rid of him didn't apply and they decided to keep him, I think the likelihood of Bradbury going would have been more. I think they wanted, a, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, more of a veteran presence back there and just more stability 
from what was there from before. I think with him going, I think it makes it necessitates keeping him even more. I think for for back there. I, I think there I think there's a relationship between the two, and it may may not be at all, but I think mm-hmm. that was a signal that they're going to try to keep him at all costs. Well, no, I I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know if 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 they had gotten like a three million dollar savings or something out of Logan Ryan or like a, a five million dollars against the cap this year for getting rid of him, I'd be like, oh. I think they're going to try and swing something to keep Bradbury. I mean, that's where it's like, well, they can restructure and make it work so that he gets under the cap or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they can they can make that work so that it equals eleven million. But because they got nothing, I don't know. But at yeah. the same time, they created a talent void. So that that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I, but I mean, I don't know because they created a talent void and a financial void. They 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 did nothing there. It, all they did was screw it up. So. I, they certainly made me more nervous about the position. Is the only thing that I can really say for sure about that. And, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you in the same thinking about it. I just, I'm trying to extrapolate. Well, what's the next move because of that? That's, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, it is a shaky position to be in that the Giants uh, have this spot. But well, those are my thoughts. Well, <laughs> this this team sucks. There's gonna be a lot of shaky, shaky positions and. Uh, Units that we have to deal with. It's part of a rebuild. It's you know we have to kind of bottom out, and the, the giant fan doesn't want to hear that, but it is true. We have to bottom out financially, bottom out you know, talent-wise before we can we can really begin to rebuild this thing the right way and not just stopgap things. Yeah, I I think if if James Bradbury is gone, then a corner has to be picked on day one or day two. And that's that's kind of where I'm going to end with. I, I don't know that that's a good idea. It's certainly an idea that makes me nervous. But that is something that will have to happen. If James Bradbury is gone, then a corner needs to be picked in the first three rounds of the draft. End of and, story. And, oh, first three rounds, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it, I thought I thought you had said even like with the one of the first picks, and I was like, <gasps> so no, it, that doesn't. I don't think it needs to happen there. I think it's more likely that it has to happen with that second round pick. Just or or you know obviously trade down scenarios is a million things and when we get closer to the day of the draft we will discuss all of those things we will look at rather than just the pinpoint of corners we will do a mock drafts and we'll talk about things as an aggregate and it'll be much more fun and interesting and we can get into all the different scenarios but there's no sense in doing that right now because the landscape of what they need changes on a weekend to weekend basis. And I am not one of those content creators that gives you a new mock draft every week so you can click on more stuff. Um, I try to give you different and more information every week. So we're saving the mock drafts for the week of the draft. How exciting is that? Woo, mock draft week. Yeah. Got your calendar's down now. Uh, <laughs> one other little piece of news we forgot to mention was that they restructured Graham Gano. That's right. They did. I didn't really understand what it was that they did, but they moved money around, converted they, some of his money to clear some cap space or something. Yeah, I think they converted more to bonus from uh, base salary. Yeah. So. It cleared a, a bit of room, but I think that that room was sucked up by. I don't know. It's weird because we hear that these players are signing. But they haven't signed anything yet, and we don't know the details of the contract, and then we find them like a week later, so it becomes backtracking so the, the money. The timing issue, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
uh, it gets too confusing and there honestly is no need to have minute to minute cap reportings on this kind of stuff so um we do have a life <laughs> yeah but i mean also you get nothing out of it because it it eventually comes through anyway right um that's going to do it for this one uh you but there's a bonus episode this week. We're going to be doing a second one because we're a little bit behind schedule. So Friday morning, mark your calendars. Tight ends. How fun is that? It's really fun. Because that's another huge position of need. Um, any closing thoughts before you uh, go to bed for the night? Orlando sucks. It does. <laughs> this is... This is the most bland place there is. And this is someone who lived in Florida for 14 years. It's it's artificial vacation time. I'm looking out the window and everything is traffic, crying kids. I just want to go home. It's hilarious <laughs> for you to turn around and stare at a wallpaper of New York Giants stuff and say that you just see crying kids and traffic. Well, it's... with the way... The way the Giants have played for the last decade, if you look at the logo, you'd be a crying kid as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough crying. We will see you guys Friday morning. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.